Welcome back to another episode of Game Ball with your host, Matt Simontia. Today, our boy Drew Byrne is back on to talk about the NFL again. We're going to be talking about J.J. Watt, Russell Wilson, Zach Gertz, and much more. And at the end of this, we also have an interview with Northwestern quarterback and current NFL draft prospect, Payne Ramsey. So make sure to check that out. But how are you doing, Drew? I'm doing fantastic. Glad to be back on. Honestly, I, it's uh, been a lot shorter of a period between your appearances unlike last time. Definitely has. Hopefully this will be more of our schedule instead of a few months in between. Yeah, hey, nothing wrong with a couple of months. You know, gives sure. us some time to think about everything. But, uh, you know, let's dive into some information. The first thing I would like to talk about is J.J. Watt. As everybody might know, the Houston Texans decided to cut ties with J.J. and he is now a free agent. Uh, there's been a lot of rumors about where you possibly could go. You know, there's been people talking about the Browns or the Bills. Obviously, they're the Steelers to be with his brothers or the local Wisconsin Green Bay Packers. But uh, let's talk about – so I'm going to say the three teams that I think have the best chance of getting him or I think he, I could see him going to, and then you'll do the same. But the first team that I think that he could go to are the Cleveland Browns. I am not sold on it. I don't think the Browns are a great fit. I don't like that idea, but there were rumors saying that he has mutual interest and wants to play alongside Miles Garrett. And I don't know why you want to go to the Browns because they're not going to make it far in the playoffs. I don't have confidence in Baker Mayfield, but they would have a great defensive line if he were to be alongside Garrett and Sheldon Richardson. So what are your thoughts on the Browns? I was going to say the only reason that he would go to the Browns is to be with Miles Garrett, but I feel like there's a lot of other teams who have like another star pass rusher who's just as good as Miles Garrett, if not better, who he could go to. And they also have a lot higher chances of actually, you know, doing well in the playoffs. Cause JJ Watt, you know, he's got three defense player of the years, a bunch of all pros, but the only thing he doesn't have is any playoff success. And I feel like going to the Browns, you're just asking to lose in the first round or second round every single year. And you're asking to be uh, the second second to your brothers. Like, come on. Like, he's not going to win the division. You know, the Steelers are going to run wild on him. TJ and Derek Watt, the best fullback in the nation. But uh, the next team I was I was looking at are the Green Bay Packers. As everybody knows, he, went, he played at football at Wisconsin. He loves being there. And the Packers seem like a perfect fit in my eyes. You go and they already have top quarterback in the league. I know he plays defense, but they're not going to be coming – they're not going to need to hold the team to lower points. They're going to have a high-powered offense. He has, they have a great coach with Matt LaFleur. I know they're going to get a new defensive coordinator in there because they cut ties with uh, Pettin. But, you know, we'll be able to see who they get. And he'll be able to play alongside Kenny Clark, who's one of the better defensive tackles, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, a great secondary. And the issue with the Packers on defense was the run, not the pass. They were a great at stopping the pass, and they need somebody because they were getting a – 113 yards per game against the run. So J.J. Watt could come in there, obviously help out with the pass defense, but especially help limit the amount of rushing yards. Yeah, I agree. I think the Packers, first off, a lot better than the Browns. And also they've got just a lot more on their defense. Like the Browns, I feel like are pretty top heavy, like on their defense, especially like, you know, Miles Garrett. And they've got a couple other like great players, but they've got a lot of holes going on whereas I feel like the Packers are pretty consistently good with also some standout players. So JJ, he won't like take all the pressure of being on the defense. Like it's not like, oh, we can just focus on him and one other guy. 
and that's going to be it because like you said they've got like three other pretty good pass rushers and just them having Aaron Rodgers they're going to take the lead in a lot of games so he's going to have a lot more time to you know pass rush gets the quarterback and that's something that all defensive players like to do so I feel like that plus the whole winning environment there is definitely a good call definitely and the last team I have on here are the Buffalo Bills uh there was a rumor saying that the Bills have expressed interest in JJ which looks like a good sign maybe he is going to Buffalo but I think this would be uh, if not for the Packers, the next perfect situation in my eyes for JJ. He goes in there and he gets to play in the AFC. So you can, you know, be like, huh, suck at Houston, whatever. Like, look at me winning the AFC title. Uh, they have a great young quarterback with Josh Allen, a gritty head coach with Sean McDermott, which I think every player would love to play under. And like, just like the Packers, they're going to be able to putting up points. They're not going to be playing from behind. And he's going to help really reinforce that defense. They have, like I mentioned, they have one of the best defenses. And he'll be able to play against Ed Oliver, who's a younger, talented defensive lineman, and Jerry Hughes. And the one thing that the the Bills always seem to be missing was, in my opinion, a player that can get sacks. Their highest, uh, the highest sack total from a player on the team last year was from A.J. freaking Klein with five sacks. I don't know what I should be more just in awe about. A.J. Klein leading a team with sacks or having a – one of the best defenses is only having five sacks for a single player. So I think JJ can really, like you mentioned, he's a three-time defensive player of the year. So he can really come in there, be a role model to these young guys, but also have a huge impact and lead Buffalo to possibly the promised land and finally take it over against the Chiefs. I was going to say, that's one big thing that I think he offers is like that veteran presence with a young defense like the Bills because that way like he can teach them all the things and also they can rely on him in big moments like they know that they've got JJ Watt on their defense so like they can feel a little bit less pressure put more of the pressure on him on big instances but also they've just got a bunch of players so like pass rushers on their defense even though none of them are that good but <laughs> they just have a lot of volume like they have a lot of guys who you know like a couple sacks here and there so he doesn't have to play like every single down because one thing with JJ is that he gets injured a lot of the time. So I feel like having a good defensive line and like pass rush rotation is something that he should definitely be looking for. Yeah, definitely. And as you mentioned that they do have great players, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano's linebackers, and they do have great depth, which is like, is a huge, huge piece for him. But uh, what teams do you think that he could be looking at? I mean, I like the bills. I really like the Packers. As much as I wish I could say the Steelers, I don't actually think that's the best fit for him. Like the Steelers, like they already actually have two good defensive ends. Like they're two of their best players on their defense. Like Cameron Hayward and Stefan Tuitt are integral to their defense. So like you could just rotate the three, but I'll, that also seems a little bit redundant for the Steelers who have a bunch of salary cap issues anyways right now. But I kind of like the Titans to be honest like I don't think he's gonna go there just because that's in the division and I don't really think he hates Houston that much come on maybe that'd, that'd be fun we get some revenge I mean I know they well, don't exactly, yeah. there anymore like there's nobody you can like really hate but come on well team. that's what, yeah so if he does want to go that route I actually think the Titans could be pretty good because they have a lot of talent on their defense they're just not actually that good as a cohesive unit but like obviously their offense is stellar they can really lean into Derrick Henry on the ground game if they get a better defense and their also main issue is pass rush like they barely got any sacks and their pass defense wasn't great 
but with JJ Watt there supplying the pressure that can definitely help them a lot and could try to take them over the hump that they've been looking for the past couple of years. Yeah, I think I think he would like being coached underneath Mike April because I think he's just he's a players guy. And hopefully JJ is just doesn't become the next uh, the next Jadavion clown. He leaves Houston, goes to Tennessee, and just goes miss just goes missing. He goes MIA. Like like that was he's terrible. But uh I we'll see what happens with JJ. But um like you mentioned though, I don't think he could go to the Steelers. Like I know his brothers are there. They don't need him. And I, I just don't think they can swing the money for him. I mean, especially they want to keep Bud Dupree, which should be interesting to see what happens with him. But uh, another question I have about JJ's, how much money do you think he's going to ban? Do you think he's going to want a multi-year contract? Do you think he's going to settle for cheap money, veteran minimum? Or what do you, what do you think he's going to look for? I honestly think that he's going to go for like, no, I wouldn't say like a cheap, cheap contract, like not like the minimum or anything, but I definitely think he's going to take a discount because he's going to want to go to a team who, you know, is going to win. And obviously a lot of those teams don't have that much money or he's going to try to take a little bit less so they can sign some other people. And he's already made a lot of money in his career. I mean, he's got a bunch of endorsements and commercials. Like money, I don't think is the number one deal for him right now. So I could see like, maybe like a two year contract with limit with not market value money, but probably like half of market value for JJ Watt. I bet it'd be a lot of incentives too, because Hey, if he wins the Super Bowl, he's going to get, he's going to get paid real nice. That's very true. The next thing, the next play I want to look forward to is Russell Wilson. So there was a report that said that Mr. Unlimited, you know, he was, he was having some issues with the Seattle front office, not getting enough say he wants to be protected. And a lot of people jumped to conclusions and said, Oh, he wants to be traded. I don't think he's going to be traded. If I was Seattle, I'm not trading him, at least not this year. What are your thoughts? Do you think there's a chance he gets traded? There's no chance that Russell Wilson gets traded. Unless he pulls a Deshaun Watson and like straight up demands that he gets traded. If it's just like, oh, I want some more control in the organization. I mean, if I'm the Seahawks, just give him a little bit of something. Like if he wants like a certain player in free agency or like, I don't know something like that just just sign them like it'll be fine because you can't really afford to get rid of russell wilson the rest of their team isn't actually that good so it's not like the front office is making great decisions and russell wilson just wants power it's more that he's seen the decline in the seahawks and he's trying to fix it yeah definitely i mean they want to be making the playoffs every year and be one of the most consistent teams without russell because they have some (laughs) some shit shows or some really bad, just really, really bad decisions there. But, uh, you know, the one thing I like mentioned, he said he wants pass protection. So I don't think Seattle has too much money to be able to offer up to players right now for signing, like the big guys, like a Brandon Schreff. But what are some players they could might look for to get? You know, the player I was looking at was Orlando Brown. He said he wants out from the Ravens because he wants to be a tackle, which is just interesting to see happen. But do you think that that's a player they could possibly trade for? And if so, like, what would they even offer him? I think that, yeah, I think that that's a good idea. I think that trying to find players in the trade market or in the draft is what they're going to have to do because I don't, yeah, they don't really have that much money to spend on a bunch of offensive linemen. But I think Orlando Brown, like, he's good, but I'm actually not sure how good he's going to be as a tackle. Like, but he is, he is pretty good. So they'd probably have to give up like a third or something, which he's still young and he's still on his rookie contract. So like, 
I don't see why not. Like they might as well. At least they are sure. Worst case scenario, they get him and just move him inside the guard, anyways. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's that good. But if he has enough confidence to come out and say trade me because I want to be a tackle, he has to be. I mean, you think he have to be somewhat okay as an offensive tackle, or at least have confidence and be willing to work for it. So that will be interesting. But a, another player that's going through the trade rumor who might be hinting towards Seattle is Zach Ertz. So Zach Ertz, I don't think he has a lot of trade value right now. He's not going to get a big return. But what teams do you think he could possibly go to? Because I'm looking at Seattle. They said they want interest in him. They love to get tight ends who are kind of falling off and making them really, really – just make them worse. You saw with Jimmy Graham, and then you saw with Greg Olson. But uh, where do you think that uh, Zach Ertz could possibly go for, go to? Honestly, I would love Zach Ertz to the Saints. I feel like Zach Ertz to the Saints is the best-case scenario for both of them because that way he gets in the Sean Payton offense. Like, I know they're not going to have Drew Brees, but, you know, hopefully Jameis Winston. They'll have Jameis Winston be able to throw him the ball. And that'll just be good for the Saints as well because they can't really keep relying on Jared Cook. Like, Jared Cook, I mean, that's the thing, though. They made Jared Cook look somewhat, like, okay. Like, he was a top 10 tight end. I mean, tight ends this year are really bad, to be honest. But they made him look like a decent tight end with the scheme, like you mentioned. But uh, they should trade uh, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill for Zach Ertz would be, it'd be a phenomenal trade package. Honestly, they should just start Taysom Hill tight end. <laughs> or linebacker. You can, you can put him anywhere, even kicker. That's true, except for quarterback. Yeah, exactly. But uh, no, I think Zach Ertz, he, he's kind of falling off right now. Like, he always had declined. But I think he has an, a decent bit left of the tank if he goes to the right scheme. I mean, what if he went to the Patriots? That'd be very interesting to see under Bill Belichick's scheme. But that's just something to think about. And so the next story I talk about is Dak Prescott. And I think he's going to stay in Dallas. I think they're a franchise tag him. But if he were to leave, do you think any team would be willing to sign him long-term? I think so, to be honest. Like, maybe on, like, a more incentive-based contract just because of the injury. But, I mean, he's a good quarterback, and a lot of teams don't have good quarterbacks. So, like, if for all the teams who, like, strike out on Deshaun, on, uh, Deshaun Watson and maybe don't get the quarterback that they want in the draft, like, they're not, like, looking in the right positions and they're trying to trade up, but they just can't figure it out. I could definitely see somebody throwing a massive offer down on Dak Prescott because he's still young, he's mobile, and last year he was leading the league in passing yards before he got injured. So he's he's not bad. So I don't see why not. He's a top 12, 15 quarterback in the league. He's meh. He's all right. But, uh, I mean, I could see him going – do you think he'd go to the, uh, the football team? Do you think that's a team to keep an eye on? I think that would be a great signing for the football team. Like I get Taylor Heineke is, you know, a cult hero now because he lost the playoff game, but hey, like, five. I mean, it was relatively <laughs> I know, but I'm just not seeing that one happening just because I don't think that he'd go to the football team. They just don't have enough weapons. I feel like Dak Prescott gets to pick which team he goes to. Like they've got Terry McLaurin, but like, they don't really have much outside of that. So I feel like he'd go to a team with more weapons who's more of like a quarterback away from actually doing some damage. Like the Colts maybe? I mean, I don't think the Colts have enough weapons, but they are a quarterback away. Yeah, because at least they've got a solid overall team. Like I could I could see him go to the Colts. I'd honestly love to see him in Miami. I feel like that would be a cool spot for Dak Prescott and trade two away, get some more help for him. 
Yeah, you, you never know. But uh, something to look into with, do you think that Dallas would even be willing to let him go? Do you think they'd be willing to say we're not going to, because they can franchise tag on it. Like, do you think that's like what's likely going to happen is our franchise tag? I, I think they'll probably try to sign him to a long-term contract because they kind of have to at this point because they'll franchise tag him this year, but then they can't afford to franchise tag him next year because like the third franchise tag is $50 million or something. So they can't really afford to do that anymore. So they pretty much have to sign him on a long-term deal. Otherwise they're just accepting their fate that he's probably going to leave after next season. Yeah, that's going to be brutal. That'd be tough to see for Dallas. I mean, they don't seem to be in love with Dak. I'm not in love with Dak, but I think they should hang, just hang on to him because I don't think they're getting anything, anything good, especially in this window they have because they do have some older players on their team. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, the last thing I would like to talk about are the, the, the Las Vegas Raiders. So there's Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota, okay? And there's been a lot of rumors going around, like are the Raiders looking to trade one of them. Do you think that either one will be traded? I really don't think so. Just because with Marcus Mariota, I don't know who actually wants him. You know what I'm saying? Like, who is starting Marcus Mariota next year as their starting quarterback? Nobody who's any good, that's for sure. Dallas when they lose a Dak. I guess the Patriots could trade for him, you know, gets a different version of Cam Newton, basically. Yeah. You know, the thing about Marcus, in my opinion, what I've been looking at is he's obviously he had like one half that was great against the Chargers. Like, who cares? But you know, he didn't really have much success. And the thing about Marcus Mariota added is that. Like they're not going to get a big – they're not going to get what they want. Like, if they get, like, a first or a second round offer for him or, like, a pick or, like, a, a player that can be a starter, then, yeah, I do the trade. But you might as well – there's nothing wrong with having a really good backup. I mean, like, that's what you have – you want a backup that can win you a game or two. So, I think they should keep him. And all the Derek Carr slander going around, I, I don't know what they would be able to trade him for. If I were to trade Derek Carr, it would from – it would I'd only do it if I got either – a top pick in this year's draft or another quarterback in for exchange, like either Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, only those two, because I think Derek Carr is a top, top 10 QB in the league. I mean, he's one of two quarterbacks other than Aaron Rodgers for the past three seasons to have over 4,000 yards and 10 interceptions or less. Like he's a quality quarterback. No, I totally agree. I think Derek Carr in a couple of years is going to be the next Matt Stafford. Like, people are just going to keep underrating him so much that eventually people are going to be like, oh, he's really, really good because he's got a bunch of talent. And then hopefully somebody good is going to trade for him and then we can actually see the true potential of Derek Carr. Because, I mean, he had that one season when the Raiders were actually good and he was an MVP candidate until he got injured now for the year. And he's finally rounding back into that form, but the Raiders just aren't they're just struggling they're just struggling they could be good this year they could be good sneaky team are the raiders this year i don't know john gruden the man he he came in and then they expected so much from him and he just derailed it i don't know i mean my biggest issue with Derek Carr on the raiders is i gotta love him there but every time i look obviously they got more good running back with josh jacobs but they're never good the henry ruggs i know that was really their top pick and i know they like speed but in my eyes yes that's a good depending on if he could become a good player, but he's not the right receiver for Derek Carr. And it's just hard to watch with the Raiders because they have a great offensive line. You know, they have Trent Brown in there, Rodney Hudson, who's one of the best centers, Gabe Jackson. They have some 
good offensive linemen. They have a good run game. Their card is good at receiver or at quarterback, but they just don't have any receivers for them, like other than like Darren Waller, and it's hard to watch. But, but yeah, uh, one last thing is, what's up with Carson Wentz? He's been supposed to have been traded like two weeks ago. They keep saying, oh, the market's really hot for Carson Wentz. And now the whole Colts thing is like the Colts didn't offer enough, but now they're not going to offer any more. So I don't really know what's going on with Carson Wentz. I'm a little bit confused. I am too. I mean, I I want him to go to the Colts, but I also feel like the Colts are just going to say, screw it. Like, I think he'd be, I think the best place for him to get his career resurrected is the Colts. But I mean, at this point, I think it's been dragged out so long. Even look at the Bears. They were out of it because it was dragged out so long that I just think at a point they're just going to <clears> – <throat> just no one's going to want him because why come why get the contract? Why have to risk it when they can go out there? Maybe Dak does leave Dallas. The Colts, like you said, would be a perfect place for him. Or maybe they can trade and get a pick and they can get like a trade lance. I don't know. But I just – it's just really weird to see what's happening. And the Eagles are really mismanaging this whole situation, like the Eagles always do, because they're a terrible franchise. The Eagles are not yeah. right now. I don't know what's going on. They better just hope that somebody trades for Carson Wentz because they can't have him on the roster next year because that's just asking for a disaster. Oh, so hopefully – and also, I don't want Carson Wentz to have to be a backup to Jalen Hurts for all of next year. So hopefully he gets out and he can actually, you know, become a starting quarterback. I want to see if he can get back to his MVP form. What if, hear me out, what if Big Ben retires? Because apparently your owner has not been looking too happy. Like he hasn't, he didn't fully back Ben Roethlisberger at a press conference. So maybe Ben retires. Would you be opposed for him to come in the Steelers if you could somehow swing his cap space? I would, I would love Carson Wentz on the Steelers, to be honest. Like Ben does retire. I'd love Carson Wentz on the Steelers. He's got that same – he's similar to Big Ben. Like, he's big, he's strong, he's got a big arm, and the Steelers have a bunch of weapons. So, like, he could be good there. I don't see why he wouldn't be. He'd at least have a better chance than he does at the Eagles the past couple of years with no weapons at all. Yeah. So great. And the Steelers, they're more of like a like f- player-friendly organization. Like, Mike Tomlin is really a player-friendly coach, so I think they'd at least – have Carson Wentz's back for a lot which I feel like the Eagles kind of just gave up on Carson Wentz which definitely hurt his confidence well I'll tell you one thing is the Steelers I mean yes they have pieces but they're losing TikTok guy like I don't think they're assigned Juju like I think he's I think he's leaving and then you guys lost Marquise Pouncey to retirement which is whatever but he was a good center and you need to figure out running back because James Conner I swear if you guys re-sign James Conner and having to be your lead back, it's going to be brutal. Yeah. The Steelers, quick, quick minute on the Steelers. The Steelers, their main issue, offensive line. Like, the Steelers' offensive line four years ago was, like, top three in the NFL. Now it's really bad. At their pass protection isn't, isn't awful, but they cannot run block to save their life. I think they're the second-to-last run blocking team in the nfl last year and when you don't have a super dynamic running back not an ideal combo so they need to get the offensive line sorted and they need to draft like a second or third round running back because there's always starters in the like show get jared patterson on your team friend of the show from a university i'd love friend of the show jared patterson to come to the steelers i think he'd be great 
Yeah, he would. He'd be better than James Conner. But uh, who knows? One two punch. I hope. Oh, yeah. Jared Patterson. So in Jalen Samuels, and you got a trifecta. Triple J. Um, so yo, that's pretty. That's pretty clean right there. But uh, Drew, I appreciate you coming on, man. Oh yeah, no worries. I'm here for it anytime. There we go. All right, now moving on to our interview with Peyton Ramsey, quarterback from Northwestern and current NFL draft prospect. Today on Game Ball, we have current NFL draft prospect and Northwestern quarterback Payne Ramsey joining the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming on. Uh, to start things off, I was like doing this, we're going to throw it back to high school. And when you were being recruited out of high school, you had many offers from great schools like Boston College, uh, University of Cincinnati, Illinois, and of course, Indiana. And you decided to uh, commit to Indiana and go there. Why did you decide to go to Indiana rather than those other schools, especially the local UC? Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, I always I always wanted to play in the Big Ten. That was kind of something that I had my mindset on pretty early. Um, just the level of competition and growing up in Big Ten country, you know, there in Cincinnati, you know, I think it was something that always seemed attractive to me. And I didn't have a ton of Big Ten, you know, options. You just listed the two I had, Indiana and Illinois. And at the time, I thought Indiana was rolling with, with Kevin Wilson and what they had going there and what they were building. So I was excited about what they had to offer. And, uh, you know, it was a good decision. And, and I really enjoyed my four years there and, uh, you know, made a lot of cool memories and met a lot of cool people along the way. Yeah, definitely. And while you were there, uh, you, you were thrown into a quarterback battle from the very start. And you had to compete with Richard Lago. And a couple games into the season, you ended up taking over as a starter. So what was it like being named a starter midway through the season? Yeah, you know, it's something that you work for, especially as a young kid, to, to be able to play as a redshirt freshman. Um, you know, that's something that you dream about playing early. And um, I think being in so many quarterback battles throughout the course of my career, and you know, starting in that one, um, has kind of transformed me into the, into the not only the quarterback that I am, but the person that I am. And uh, just an exciting time and, and took it and ran with it. And I think more than anything, it made me realize, you know, I could be on the other side of that conversation. If I don't if I don't continue to work and progress and get better, somebody could be taking my job. So I think I learned a lot from that. And, uh, it was a cool moment for sure. But, it, you know, it, it you know allowed me to push even harder. Yeah, definitely. Uh, during your junior year, you were competing with Michael Penix and uh, he ended up taking the job, but he got hurt, and you decided to stay with it after losing the competition. And uh, ultimately, it paid off. You were you became the quarterback. You led them to the Gator Bowl. So why did you decide to stick around? Yeah, you know, I, I always had, you know, the first goal was always to to graduate, and that was kind of what I set out to do and, and making sure that I get my degree. And, um, you know, at the time, I wasn't graduated. Um, but even bigger than that, uh, the guys in the locker room, the relationships that I, I had built, you know, at that time, at that, at that point in time, it didn't, it didn't seem right to, to just walk away, um, you know, just because I wasn't named the starting quarterback. And, you know, I stuck around, decided, decided that I was going to, you know, do my best to stick it out and be there for the guys. And, uh, you know, it all worked out in the end um, in a weird and a roundabout way. It all paid off for me. And uh, that's what this game's all about. Um, you know, there's so many highs and so many lows and you got to rely on a bunch of different people. And that's what I did. And, uh, you know, so happy, so grateful that I suck it out. Yeah, definitely. And 
during your senior season, you, you or at the end of that season, for your senior season, you went to Northwestern, you put your name in the transfer portal. So what was so appealing to Northwestern and what was it like uh, being coached by Pat Fitzgerald? Yeah, I've always, I've coming out of high school, I wanted to go to Northwestern. Uh, didn't offer me, so I gave them a hard time about that. But, uh, you know, I, it was a place that always, always intrigued me just because of the culture that they had built, um, the guys that they bring in, um, just the toughness that they play with. And Coach Fitz is um, the reason for all of that. One of the greatest coaches that I've ever had the privilege of playing for, uh, the best leader that I've ever been around, just the way he treats us like professionals. And, um, you know, just is so composed and so poised in his leadership and um, expects a lot, of, a lot out of us as players. And, and like I said, I was there for a short time, uh, six months, but it was as valuable of a six months that I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah, definitely. But uh, before the season, there was a lot of adversity. Like you didn't know if the Big Ten was going to have a season or not, and uh, everything was in limbo. But so what was it like preparing for the year? Yeah, it was tough on, on a bunch of different fronts. I think, you know, the most difficult part was I, I don't know anybody. I don't even know names. I don't know the offense. I don't know my way around Evanston. It was it was tough, man. And I, uh, you know, I did my, my, my best to try to get to know guys and did my homework on, on certain guys. But uh, that was, you know, the most difficult part. And then you come in and you're working out in groups of, of 10, 15 guys. And that's hard in itself. And finding time to get extra throws when, the, you know, the facility is closed. Um, learning a new offense, it was difficult. But, uh, you know, thankfully there were a lot of guys that bought into to what we were trying to do. And, and it all worked out. Yeah, definitely. For sure. I mean, Northwestern, you, you led them to a 7-2 record, uh, 35-19 victory over Auburn in the Citrus Bowl. So during that season, what was your favorite part about it all? You know, I, I think the last game was was kind of the perfect finish to that year. You know, obviously going to the Big Ten Championship was was special and something that you dream about. But just the way we closed it out and had a big win against an SEC team and um, – you know, just that celebration in the locker room after the game was something that that you know I think a lot of us are going to cherish for a long time because of the adversity that we over you know we overcame throughout the course of the year. Um, that was just a special time, and uh, you know, one that we'll take with us for a long time. Yeah, for sure. Was the uh, preparation for the Big Ten championship and the Citrus Bowl was like different than a regular season game? Uh, you know, so the Big Ten Championship, that was my first Big Ten Championship game. So I don't know what the what the typical layout for that is. But the bowl game was a little bit different, you know, because uh, we extended the season into, you know, mid-December. Usually we're done by the last weekend in November into early December. So you have an entire month to get ready for the bowl game. and Guys have a little bit of time to get their bodies back. But, you know, we played the Big Ten Championship in mid-December, so we only had – you know, about two weeks to get ready. Um, so guys were trying to get their bodies back. And um, it was a little bit different than, than it usually was. Usually you kind of have a little bit of fun around the holidays and, and get to go home. So from that standpoint, it's a little bit different. Um, but I think once we got into, you know, the actual game planning piece of things, it was it was just your, your typical uh, preparation kind of week or two. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but looking towards the, the draft, the draft process, uh, you – you were able to have the luxury, if, I, I guess you could say the luxury, of being able to play under two different coaches, two great coaches with Pat Fitzgerald and Tom Allen. But the biggest thing I want to focus in on is you had to play under two different types of schemes, playbooks. So how important do you think this show teams and scouts that 
hey, like, I can to I can adjust to whatever you give me. Yeah, I actually played for uh, for four different offensive coordinators in my time. Uh, so two different head coaches, but but four different offensive coordinators. So to your point, um, you know, I've I've seen it all. I've I've heard a lot of different things and been coached by a lot of great people, and I think that's always helpful. Um, that I that I've been able to prove that. I can adjust on the fly to things and learn things relatively quickly. And uh, I'm thankful for that. At times it might've been difficult to switch up an off an offense every off season, but uh, I am grateful that I learned a lot of different, you know, forms and, and philosophies that, that relate to football. Cause I think it's, it's made me the quarterback that I am today. Definitely. What do you think the, the biggest thing you're able to learn uh, in college was? Yeah, I think the, I think the speed of the game is, is the first thing. Um, guys are so much better and faster and more athletic than they were in high school. And, you know, and that's something that that you expect. That's something that everybody tells you as you're going in. But I think, you know, the next thing is how quickly coaches and, and your teammates uh, expect you to pick up a playbook and be able to uh, learn something in the meeting room and then go apply it immediately. And, and that that's not just in, in training camp, that's throughout the course of the year and continuing to continuing to pro progress mentally. I think we always, we always kind of get too focused on, on the physical aspects of it and not, you know, focusing enough on the mental part of it, because that's a big part of the game, especially at the, the position that I play. And um, that's kind of the thing that I've taken with me throughout the course of my career is that you have to be able to adapt and adjust on the fly because other teams are going to do so. Yeah, definitely. And so I, before before this interview, I watched a bit uh, some of your film, and one of the base, biggest things that stood out to me as a passer was your ability to place a ball between the defensive back and the sideline, where only your receiver can catch it. So why is that such a big part of your game? I, you know, I think accuracy at the quarterback position is uh, is one of the most important, you know, physical pieces of playing the game because. You know, like I said, as you move on from the from college to the NFL, the speed of the game picks up. Uh, windows get tighter, players get better and faster, and be able to put the ball where it needs to be in order for receivers to make plays becomes increasingly important. And um, you know, accuracy it can even be on a on a five yard slant route and putting in front of them to where the receiver has the ability to catch and run to catch the ball and advance it instead of just catch and tackle. And it's just it's a game of inches. It really is. And the more accurate you are, you know, the, the better opportunity you give your offense to score points and move the ball, move the ball down the field. For sure. And so the, the next thing that stood out to me was your pocket presence. You will stay in the pocket, take a hit if you need to, if it means you, you know, you complete the pass, but also be able to move out of the pocket and extend the play. Why, why do you such a good presence in the pocket? Yeah, I think our game has, has become, uh, about making plays and improvising more than it ever has. And you saw it the other night in the Super Bowl. You know, Patrick Mahomes is all over the place trying to make plays. And that's because, you know, the guys up front, the D linemen are, are freakier, more athletic than they have ever been. And uh, being able to extend plays outside of the pocket is really, really important. But also being able to, to stay in there and not freak out you know, too early to the point where you have guys running wide open down the field. So there, there's a fine line between the two. And I think uh, just understanding the game and understanding when to get the ball out of your hands and when to improvise, um, it's a tough thing to do. But I think that comes with time and experience. And luckily for me, I've been able to play a lot of football throughout the course of my career and, and kind of learn that. Yeah, definitely.
you know, I think that you're kind of underrated as a dual threat quarterback because you're very mobile and able to uh, make plays and extend it, like I said. And it kind of reminds me, is it a fair comparison to say that you kind of model your game after like Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson is my guy. Yeah, I, I love watching him and uh, what he's been able to do throughout the course of his career. So, yeah, you're, you're spot on with that one. Perfect. So you, you Seahawks guy or something or you just like Russell? I'm not, you know, I'm. Yeah, I just like Russell. I'm a Bengals guy. I uh, grew up in Cincinnati. I'm also, you know, big Tom Brady guy. Those are Tom and, and Russell are my are my two guys for sure. They're, they're they're pretty they're pretty good. All right. Yeah, they're all right players. But uh, you know, like I mentioned though, you you are a dual threat and you have sneaky mobility. Like, how important do you think that is um, to be able to be able to do that in the next level? Yeah, like I said, there's a fine line between that and knowing when to get out of the pocket and and knowing when to stay in there. But it, it's becoming part of the game. You even see it with with some zone read stuff and some design quarterback runs. Uh, with Josh, you know, Josh Allen did a whole bunch. That's the first guy that comes to mind. And um, being able to throw on the run and throw on the move and get creative um, against athletic teams and, and good defensive fronts. That's uh, that's becoming our game. And uh, it, the the day and age of guys just sitting back there in the pocket are, are few and far between. There's only a couple guys that can do it. Um, and it's all dependent on your offensive line and how much you invest in your own line. So being able to to move and, and play outside of the pocket is really important. Yeah, for sure. And as you mentioned, you know, Russell Wilson and Tom Brady were, I guess, some of your idols and the, the players you modeled game after. Obviously, they're great in the field, but they're phenomenal leaders. So how important is it to you to be a leader on and off the field for your team? Yeah, the leadership aspect is is just as important as the on the field part of part of playing quarterback. The way that you relate to your teammates um, in the locker room and the huddle, the way that you can communicate with coaches and, and personnel is uh, is increasingly important. And those relationships, um, if they aren't built, then then there's no trust there on the field when it is time to go out and make plays. So, uh, leadership is is a huge part of the position that uh, you know I, that I don't think. Uh, can be taken lightly. Yeah, for sure. I guess you could say that was extremely important in your transition to Northwestern since you only had, what you said, like six months to be able to be there and kind of adapt to it all. So that's definitely a big thing. But um, looking towards your draft prep, you know, you were able to go to the College Gridiron Showcase and the, the Hula Bowl. So what, what was the experience like there? And were you able to learn anything? Yeah, those were both cool experiences. Um, just guys from all over the country coming in, and you meet a lot of cool people. And um, you know, I think the Hula Bowl was cool was cool because of um, you know you have some all time greats coaching you, and Mike Singletary and Jim Zorn and Mark Sanchez, Rex Ryan, all those guys were there. And I think that was a cool thing for some of us just to pick up on small tidbits and um, pick their brain about the draft, about game planning, about tendency, about you name it. You know, just had the opportunity to to kind of learn some things from those guys, but you also had had the chance to, you know, stack yourself up with some of the guys that are in the same boat as you and, and coming out and declaring for the draft. So uh, really, really cool and fun experiences. Um, and I, and I think they were, they were valuable to kind of see where, see where we line up and then um, just, just to learn and continue to grow. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's awesome to hear. Hopefully Mark Sanchez uh, taught you how to not have a butt fumble because that would be, uh, that'd be pretty yeah. Oh yeah, Rex Ryan was all over him for that one. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was a disaster and happy. I mean, I'm a Giants fan, so I guess I guess I was happy to see that happen. Okay, but you know, um, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, 
if you had to tell a scout or a coach just one thing there was about you, whether as a player or as a person, what would you want that to be? Yeah, I think it goes back to to the leadership piece again. Um, the most important part of playing the position, and uh, that's been demonstrated throughout the course of my career. It kind of speaks for itself. Um, you know, I've been a captain at two different schools. Um, you know, so that that's that's something that I carry with me, and, and I take a lot of pride in. Um, probably the the two greatest accomplishments of my career. So that that leadership piece is is everything to me. Yeah, definitely. And before I let you go, I have you know one more question. What do you have any funny uh, memories or moments about Tom Allen or Patrick Fitzgerald as coaches or just people in general? Um, I don't know. I don't know about funny moments. Um, but you know they're they're both fun and awesome guys in their own respects and. Um, really, really different coaches. Coach Fitz is, uh, you know, really laid back and calm and composed in his leadership. And he doesn't get too hired. You know, he, he's a funny dude, no joke around practice, but on game day, and he's, uh, he's serious and he's locked in. And, uh, you know, Coach Allen is kind of the opposite. Um, he's always kind of jumping up and down and, and fired up. And, and he brings that kind of energy to the, you know, to the sideline. Um, you know, I'm blanking right now for, for funny stories for you, but, uh, but they're both, you know, different in their own respects and uh, both had successful years. So it, it looks like their styles are, are working out for them. Yeah, definitely. Well, I appreciate you coming on and I wish you the best of luck in the future and with the NFL. So thank you and have a good night, man. Right on, man. Thank you.